Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Good morning. It is Monday, March the 21st, 2022. What a weekend it's been. So much to catch up on, and it's going to be a great week. But today on the program, you might recall we had uh, discussed this, I don't know, a couple of months back, the Carmelite nuns up in Fairfield, Pennsylvania, and uh, their community being at great risk. And today we're going to catch up on that story, in fact. We have a guest coming up at 35 past the hour to give us the latest information, Catherine Bauer. Uh, she is uh, representing the Fairfield Carmelite Nuns, and they have produced a documentary film, which I watched with the family yesterday. It was really good. Praise be to Jesus. What a beautiful community. But why are these poor nuns at risk? Uh, why are there, Why is their uh, rule at risk? Why is their community and their traditions at risk? We're going to talk about that at 35 past the hour. We're going to get to know them and what their challenges are and what we might be able to do to help them. All that coming up at 35 past the hour. But as you enjoyed your weekend, and I don't know where you are, but where we are, the weather was gorgeous and beautiful, and and I had uh, two kids confirmed in the faith, praise be to Jesus, by Cardinal Donardo. It was a, a fantastic weekend. Plus, we got to catch up with some old friends we haven't seen in so long, so it was a wonderful weekend for us. But while we were doing all of that, His uh, His, his Holiness Pope Francis has come out with a brand new constitu- constitution for the Vatican. And what does that mean? What are the changes? And what's the slippery slope in there? We're going to talk about that coming up at 15 past the hour, so stick around. It's going to be a jam-packed show. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise God. How was your weekend? Uh, well, you know, it was okay. It was one of those uh, just kind of very low-key type of weekends. So. Was it? Yeah. Oh, that's got, too bad. Got some time to uh, to uh, just hang out with my daughter and, oh, and cool. my wife, so it was very nice. That's awesome. Praise yeah. God. I think I got uh, I think I got two sunburns, one on Saturday Yikes. and one on Sunday. It was hurt. <laughs> it was, I was, you need yourself a hat. I do. I'm saying the same thing. I need like one of those uh, gentlemen's straw hats or something. (laughs) It has to have, it's got to have ventilation or else I'll be in trouble. But uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is good to be here. Despite of it all? Despite of it all, it's good to be here. (laughs) How was your weekend? Yeah, it was was good. Long weekend. Um, Kept up with a lot of things. My uh, cousin got married on uh, Friday. Wow. I uh, was at a wedding on Friday night. Nice. That was that was nice. Um, and I did something on Saturday too. But now how's your it's grandfather all together? Yeah, my grandfather's doing well. Praise be to God. Thank you for everybody who prayed for him. He is. Uh, they did X-rays of him and they found out his uh, ribs are not broken. He's Praise just going to be sore for a few days. Um, that's for a couple weeks, really. Well, that's um, not bad. I, can, I mean, absolutely. broken ribs are worse. Oh yeah. Praise be to God. So. Praise be to God, he's doing very well. Awesome. He was at Mass on Sunday, so he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get out of bed, so it was nice to see him at Mass. Nice. Praise Jesus. Well, we have a lot to catch up on today, as I said, and I just want to thank uh, Sherry Everett and Michelle Vaughn for uh, making sure that our weekend was covered during our 2022 Lenten prayer, fasting, and penance campaign. Uh, they uh, Sherry took Saturday and Michelle took Sunday 
offering up their prayers, their sacrifices, their sufferings, their penances for our intentions this Lent, which is for the conversion of ardent and grave sinners, heretics, blasphemers, you know, those souls that we tend to forget and never pray for. Well, uh, Sherry and Michelle have uh, covered that weekend for us, and so we're very grateful. And today, Teresa Vinson, thank you today. Uh, for covering this, uh, Teresa. We're very grateful for you. Praise be to God. And as a part of our Lenten campaign, we are praying the Golden Arrow Prayer, which is a part of the devotion to the Holy Face of Jesus, and it is a fantastic prayer, and I hope that you will join us as we begin our hour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now you're Breaking News with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, March 21st, and these are your headlines. Epic Times reports Ukraine says no to Russia's demands for laying down arms in Mariupol. Mariupol has suffered some of the heaviest bombardments since Russia's, Russia invaded Ukraine. Many of its 400,000 residents remain trapped in the city with little, if any, food, water, or power. A Russian official said humanitarian corridors for civilians would be opened eastwards and westwards out of Mariupol at 10 a.m. Moscow time on Monday. Ukraine has until 5 a.m. Moscow time to respond to the offer on humanitarian corridors and laying down arms, he said. And the AP reports, U.S. Admiral says China fully militarized isles. China has fully militarized at least three of several islands it built on the disputed South China Sea, arming them with anti-ship, anti-aircraft missile systems, laser and jamming equipment, and fighter jets in an increasingly aggressive move that threatens all nations operating nearby, a top U.S. military commander said on Sunday. And Breitbart News reports phone signals of British volunteers may have triggered strike on Ukrainian base. Britons who volunteered with Ukraine's International Legion could have been responsible for a missile strike that killed at least 35 people at a Ukrainian training facility. Russia is believed to have access to phone numbers associated with British Armed Forces personnel, including Special Forces veterans, due to espionage and hacking efforts in the past. And LifeSite News reports Pope Francis reforms Roman Curia, says any layperson can hold governance positions in Vatican. Pope Francis published his long-awaited document reforming the Roman Curia, allowing any member of the lady to lead a curial department, which all have been renamed and now deemed of equal value. The reforms published in the new apostolic constitution, Predicate Evangelium, will come into effect on June 5th and look to open the door further to female governance in the Catholic Church. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Nicholas of Flu. Nicholas was born in 1417 in the canton of Unterwalden, the eldest son of wealthy peasants. At the age of 21, he enrolled in the, in the army, and during the old Zurich War, he waged that was waged against the canton of Zurich by the rest of the old Swiss Confederacy. Nicholas distinguished himself as a soldier and took part in the Battle of Ragaz in 1446. He later took up arms again in the so-called Thorgau War against the Archduke Sigismund of Austria in 1460. 
It was thanks to Nicholas's influence that a house of Dominican nuns, the convent of St. Catherine Intel, where many Austrians had fled after the capture of Dissenhofen, escaped being destroyed by the Swiss Confederates. At the age of 30, he married Dorothe Weiss, a farmer's daughter, and they farmed in the municipality of Fluel in the alpine foothills above Saskalon in the Lake Sarin. He also continued to serve in the military to the age of 37. Rising to the rank of captain, he reportedly fought with a sword in one hand and a rosary in the other. After leaving military service, he became a counselor for his canton and then in 1459 for nine years served as a judge. He declined the opportunity to serve as a landmammon of his canton. That would be like a governor. After receiving a mystical vision of a lily eaten by a horse, which he recognized as indicating that the cares for his worldly life, the draft horse pulling a plow, were swallowing up his spiritual life, the lily, a symbol of purity. He decided to devote himself entirely to the contemplative life. And in 1467, he left his wife and his ten children with, it, with her consent and set himself up as a hermit in the ran, in the Ramft Chine in Switzerland, establishing a, establishing a chantry for a priest from his own funds so that he could assist at Mass daily. Symbolic visions continued to be a feature of his contemplation, and he began and became a spiritual guide whose advice was widely sought and followed. His reputation for wisdom and piety was such that figures from across Europe came to seek advice from him, and he was known to all as Brother Klaus in 1470, Pope Paul II, granted the first indulgence to the sanctuary of Raneft, and it became a place of pilgrims since it lay on the way of St. James, a pilgrim's route to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. His council presented a civil war between the cantons meeting at the Diet of Stands in 1481, when their antagonism grew, despite being illiterate and having limited experience of the world, he is honored among both Protestants and Catholics with the permanent national unity of Switzerland. Letters of thanks to him from Bern and Solar still survive. When he died on 21st of March 1487, he was surrounded by his wife and his children. St. Nicholas of Flew, pray for us. Praise be to God. In all things, the gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, verses 24 through 30. Jesus said to the people in the synagogue at Nazareth, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people heard this in the synagogue, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, St. Ambrose would say. But he says in a mystery, in the days of Elias, 
because Elias brought the day to them who saw in his works the light of spiritual grace. And so the heaven was opened to them that beheld the divine mystery, but was shut when there was famine, because there was no fruitfulness in acknowledging God. But in that widow to whom Elias was sent was prefigured a type of the church. Close quote, St. Ambrose, pray for us. Uh, St. Ignatius's commentary here really points out sort of the heart of the matter. We're talking about the mission here. It says, Jesus recalls the mission of Elijah and Elisha to explain his own. These prophets lived during dark times when God looked unfavorably upon the northern kingdom of Israel and sent blessings to the Gentiles instead. Elijah was sent to a widow in Sidon, and Elisha cleansed a Syrian leper. Jesus declares that the acceptable year of the Lord will likewise be a time of blessing even outside of Israel. This collided with Jewish perspectives that anticipated only punishment for Gentile nations, close quote. Well, this is something we've talked about many times in the gospel commentaries uh, here on this program. I mean, the mission of the people of God coming up out of the land of Egypt was to become a kingdom of priests consecrated special to go back and to save those pagan relatives, to bring them back into the family of God. But that was Exodus 28. It was a beautiful chapter, Exodus 28. But when you get to Exodus 32, totally different. It's the golden calf and it's debauchery and it's turning their hearts back to paganism. Instead of getting the covenant blessing, you then get the covenant curses. And that stays in place up until the time of Christ. So the whole time they were supposed to convert their pagan neighbors, not be converted by them. That was the goal. That was the mission. But because after Solomon died and his son took over, the kingdom split and the northern tribes set up another golden calf to prevent their people from going down into Jerusalem to worship at the temple. So they turned their hearts back to paganism yet again. Well, this is what we're dealing with. And our Lord is trying to tell them. He's trying to make it clear that it is, in fact, the Gentiles that are supposed to come into the family of God, which we see in the temple. St. Paul makes this clear, the dividing wall, this wall that separates the Gentiles from the Jews at the temple, and how they set up the marketplace in the court where the Gentiles could pray, preventing them from being able to pray because they rejected the Gentiles outright. Our mission This mission is to go and to make disciples of all nations. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Seems like we've forgotten that in many ways in our church today. Let's pray for a resurgence to our original calling, our original mission, to go and save souls. In the next hour, I want to talk about whether or not Jesus went invisible. Did he disappear? What was that about? We'll talk about that next hour. All that and more is coming up right after this very short break. Been told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? 
If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. be to God in all things. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Joe McClain, keeping you informed and inspired. It's good to be on with you. Hopefully you had a great weekend. We'll be able to catch up with you a little bit in the after show today, which is the last part of the second hour of our program. And you can always join us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'd love to see you there. Uh, But uh, coming up at 35 past this hour, we're going to talk with Catherine Bauer about a brand new documentary film that highlights this beautiful Carmelite community up in Fairfield, Pennsylvania, these, uh, these nuns and their wonderful charism up there. I mean, no power, no electricity, no running water. They're running a farm and they're joyful and um, it's incredible, but they're also at risk. And we're going to talk about that coming up at 35 past the hour. So stick around for that. But there are, as I say, several stories in the news that are a great concern to me and I'm sure they are to you as well. There was some news that came out sort of quietly uh, over the weekend, which is, you know, usually if you get news on Friday and Saturday, there's a reason why they're putting it out Friday and Saturday. It's usually to keep it kind of quiet. But you might recall going back all the way to uh, March of 2013 when His Holiness Pope Francis was uh, elected uh, to replace uh, Benedict XVI as Pope, that one of his chief, one of the chief concerns of the Curia, of the Cardinals, was reform of the Curia. And he made that promise. He would reform the Curia. Well, uh, fast forward all these years, nine years later, and he has issued a new constitution. So there is a little bit of the story here, but there's a, there's a subplot to this I think I want to get into. But here's the article out of the National Catholic Register. And I did read other articles in the Catholic News Agency, uh, the, the Pillar, and others, but here's the, a little bit of the article from the NCR. It says, Pope Francis reforms Roman Curia with launch of Vatican Constitution. The Vatican published on Saturday a long-awaited document implementing Pope Francis's reform of the organization and structure of the Roman Curia. The Apostolic Constitution preached the gospel was released on March the 19th, Solemnity of St. Joseph, after nine years in production by the Pope's Council of Cardinal Advisors. Preach the gospel replaces Pastor Bonus, the Apostolic Constitution, on the Roman Curia promulgated by Pope J.P. II on June 28, 1988, and later modified by both Benedict and Francis. Under the new constitution, all the Vatican departments are now known as dicasteries. The powerful Vatican Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, for example, will now be known as the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. There are 16 of those. I won't 
I won't uh, uh, bore you in reading all of the names of the 16 dicasteries. But the article goes on to say, on his election in 2013, Pope Francis was widely seen as having a mandate to reform the Roman Curia. Over the first eight and a half years of his pontificate, he issued decrees changing Vatican law and structures which are reflected in the text of the new constitution. The Council of Cardinals finished the first draft in 2018. The text was then circulated among the presidents of national bishops' conferences, dicasteries of the Roman Curia, synods of the Eastern Churches, conferences of major superiors, and select pontifical universities uh, for feedback in 2019. The Council of Cardinals met in February 2020 for an in-depth rereading and revision of the document. Amid the coronavirus pandemic, the Cardinals continued to review the text at virtual meetings with Pope Francis. Seven Cardinals currently serve on the Council of Cardinals, helped the, the Secretary uh, Bishop, or helped by Secretary Bishop Marco Molino. Honduran Cardinal Oscar Andres Rodriguez Meridiaga, who acts as coordinator, Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Perolin, Cardinal Giuseppe Bertello, uh, President of the Pontifical Council of Pontifical Commission for the Vatican uh, City State, Indian Cardinal Oswald Gracias of Bombay, German Cardinal Reinhard Marx of Munich and Freisberg, U.S. Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston, and Congolese Cardinal uh, Fridolin Ambon. M. Bonogo, Bonogo, uh, I probably got that really badly. Sorry, mea culpa. <laughs> In January 2021, Cardinal Perilene said considerable progress had already been made in the Pope's reform of the Roman Curia, particularly with regard to Vatican finances, pointing to the creation of the Council for the Economy, the Secretary for the Economy, and of the Office of the uh, Reviser General. He added that further reforms could include the merger of the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples and the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization and the combination of the Congregation for Catholic Education with the Pontifical Council of Culture. Quote, but these are minor actions compared to what has already been done. Close quote. He said, quote, now it is a question of giving uh, uh, homogeneity homogeneity to all the reforms which have been made by means of the new apostolic constitution, close quote. And it's a developing story. That's the article from the NCR. But there's a subplot here. Number one, the Pope has put himself in charge of evangelization of the world. Well, okay, great. Praise God. Let's, I'm all about it. Let's, let's go and evangelize the whole world. That is our mission. We said that in the reflection of the gospel. However, the, uh, the Pillars version of this story makes this statement because one of the subplots to this change, one of the quiet aspects to this change is for the first time, lay folk, men and women can now run these dicasteries. And here's a, here's a statement out of out of the, the Pillars version of this, it says, while uh, preaching the gospel affirms that lay people can take up the mantle of leadership in certain Vatican departments, a practice which has already begun in recent years, the text did not indicate any standards of compensation for experts tapped for Vatican administrative roles. Laity actually working in Vatican departments in recent years have raised the complaint that the Holy See, facing massive budget troubles, is not situated to pay a living wage, and that its pay scale reflects a mostly clerical staff who receive supplemental income from their diocese or religious orders. 
That's interesting, isn't it? It's like uh, it's like an internship. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's you know, we, we laugh, but at the same time, I I mean, anybody who's ever applied for a job working for the church knows. You read these job descriptions, and it's like we need you know a PhD, seven masters, eighty-seven years of on on the ground experience, and we pay forty-seven thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Cool. Debbie, two hundred thousand dollars in education bill alone, and how much are you paying? And am I, am I allowed to have a wife and kids? I'm curious. <laughs> it's definitely a, a troubling thing. But if you remember, harken back to the good old days. When the sisters taught schools, right? Uh, You know, harken back to the good old days when it was the religious and clergy that filled these positions. And as this article points out, your needs are less. But wait, there's more. Here's an article out of Breitbart. And this came out, I think, on Thursday. So just before they knew they were going to release this document, which includes this. Oh, and by the way, yeah, we're going to let lay folks run, run some things here. Uh, Pope Francis, this is the headline out of Breitbart. Pope Francis, prepare lay people for the day there are not enough priests. And I think here is the crux of the matter. Here is the real issue uh, uh, that we're facing. And I wonder whether or not this new constitution, actually, I don't wonder at all. But the question is, does this new constitution prepare us to do something about this? Or is it accepting this as just the way it is and there's nothing can be done, so we're Oh, well, too bad. Well, let's read the article and find out. Pope Francis said Thursday he worries about the day there are not enough priests proposing the formation of lay people as the remedy. Addressing a delegation from the Order of Augustinian uh, Recollects in the Vatican, the pontiff commented on their falling numbers of vocations. No coffee since Ash Wednesday. Boy, it's really getting to me now. Urging them to entrust their charism to the laity. From eight provinces, these Augustinians, there are now only four, the Pope noted. Meaning that in terms of numbers, we are going downhill. And this is a reality that we cannot ignore. There are thousands of explanations, he continued, that young people today do not see things clearly that there are fewer young people than before. Obviously, the birth rate that Europe and America do not give what they gave before in terms of vocations, that we will have to look for other cultures and look elsewhere, and so on, as much as you want. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean, and so on, as much as you want. But that's the Pope's words. He goes on to say, quote, But there is a question that we have to ask ourselves. Look to the future, project the age that you are now, and say, Will there be two provinces instead of four? Nothing more? He said, don't be afraid to ask yourself the question. While not resigning himself completely to the idea of a future dearth of priests in the world, the Pope said that the prospects worries him and and the steps must be taken to counter it. I agree, Your Holiness. He goes on to say, quote, the day that there are no more Augustinians, the day that there are, are not enough priestly vocations for everyone, the day that... The day that, the day that comes, have we prepared the laity? Have we prepared people to continue with pastoral care in the church, he asked. And you, have you prepared people to continue with your spirituality, which is a gift from God, so that you can carry it forward? I do not dare to be a prophet and say what will happen, Francis stated. It worries me. It worries me. I trust in the Lord, but I also have to say these things. Lest us, let us prepare ourselves 
for what is going to happen. And let us give our charism, our gift to those who can carry it forward. Please do not. This is a strange statement. Please, he says, quote, please do not mend the things that cannot be mended because a culture is imposed on us, close quote. And let us, quote, not have illusions, he said. Let us continue with prayer that the Lord send vocations, but also that he prepares us to give our gifts when there are fewer of us to those who can collaborate with us, he said, close quote. That's the article out of the Breitbart. What does that even mean? Please do not mend the things that cannot be mended because culture imposed it upon us. I, do you do you understand that statement, Rudy? I don't have any idea what he means by that. No, I, I wonder if it's just like a bad translation. <laughs> I, I would let's hope. Let's hope. Please do not mend the things. But I mean, it's I mean, this isn't rocket science. I would argue, like vo- vocations in the last fifty years. I mean, I've I've quoted these statistics on numerous occasions. Everything is down: religious vocations, priestly vocations, baptisms, uh, confirmations, marriages, schools. All of it down, 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 down. Last 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yet we see some communities thriving. Maybe not these Augustinians, but the Dominicans, the, uh, many of the Dominican communities, especially among the, the women, are thriving, busting at the seams with, with vocations. How about these Carmelites we're about to talk about here in a few minutes up in Fairfield? Tremendous vocations. They have a thriving, beautiful community, but they get attacked. Why is it that the, uh, the Immaculate Friars, the Immaculate uh, the Franciscans, they were visited and gutted. Why? Why is that? Why do we see those traditional communities that embrace the patrimony of Holy Mother Church are gutted, and these other communities that have no vocations and are dwindling before our very eyes somehow aren't? Uh, if you want the answer, Your Holiness, maybe ask the young people why it is they aren't flocking to the church and flocking away from it, especially in the college system, becoming practical atheists rather than carrying forward the graces they received in baptism and confirmation. Two of my children were confirmed this weekend by a cardinal. And the only time I was thinking is, Lord, please give them the grace of perseverance, of fortitude in the midst of a secular and pagan world. Let us remember that we are to be soldiers for Christ. To not let these souls go to hell, but to try to save as many as we can before it is too late. That is our mission. Your holiness. Letting lay people run the place is not the answer. There's others. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times, because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Breitbart reports Zelensky uses martial law to ban main opposition party in crackdown on division. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky has announced a banning of Ukraine's main opposition party and 10 others as part of an anti-Russian crackdown. The foremost victim... Uh, sorry about this. Something popped up in my screen. The foremost victim of the crackdown is the opposition platform for life which, as part of the 2019 general election, was the second most popular political party in Ukraine after Zelensky's own Servant of the People party. All of the parties banned in the country, which has previously been described as democratic by U.S. President Joe Biden, have been considered eurosceptic, anti-liberal, or pro-Russian by the Zelensky government. And the AP reports Russian oil sale to India complicates Biden's efforts. An Indian government official said Friday that the country will increase its imports of Russian oil, allowing it to boost energy supplies at a discount as its economy struggles to recover from the coronavirus pandemic. The official, who spoke anonymously, said the latest purchase was 3 million barrels. Although India isn't alone in buying Russian energy, several European allies such as Germany have continued to do so. The decision conflicts with Biden's efforts to isolate Russia's economy with sanctions. And the Daily Wire reports Zelensky warns of Third World War if Russia peace talks fail. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky warned that the world would be plunged into a Third World War if peace talks with Russia fail, noting that even if there was about 1% chance of stopping the war, then the two countries should take it. Zelensky also stressed that he would still love to join NATO if, Western, if the Western alliance would welcome Ukraine. And the Daily Caller reports, American elites have deep ties to a new Chinese spy chief. The new deputy head of propaganda and espionage agency in China, Chen Zhu, has documented ties with business tycoons, university heads, and other elite members of American society. During her tenure at Tsinghua University, Chen forged ties with influential Americans, including Stephen Schwartzman, the CEO of Blackstone Group, an investment company the Chinese Communist Party supplied with $3 billion in 2007, resulting in one of the history's largest IPOs. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Don't you love it when things just pop up on your screen and throw you way off? Like, uh. Curveball Central. <laughs> you got to love it. Praise right. be to God. Uh, you might recall, dear listeners, uh, back in, I don't know, it's been a few months now, uh, we covered the story of the... Fairfield Carmelite sisters, the nuns, these beautiful uh, nuns up there and their wonderful community. And, but they're at the center of a, a real saga for survival. A document came out in 2018 uh, called the Kor Ar Arans, and it basically essentially forces, it seems to force all these uh, religious communities, specifically the women's religious communities, into a greater community. They have to sort of collaborate with other different religious orders, and they, they all get to have a vote and kind of have an influence and impact on your community. So it's kind of a strange piece of business, unique in all of church history as far as I know. Uh, but there's a brand new documentary that has come out about these wonderful Carmelites, and to talk to us about that is uh, joining us right now is Catherine Bauer. Good morning to you, Catherine Bauer. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for getting up early and hanging out with us today. 
Yeah, no, this is good. It's uh, pitch black outside right now. Pitch so, black. Yeah. <laughs> it's a penance. How wonderful. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, my family and I really enjoyed the documentary film that has been produced. It really was a beautiful thing to encounter these, these women, these Carmelites. Why don't you start with just telling us who they are and tell us about their community? Yeah, so they're, they're a group of discalced Carmelite nuns. Uh, if you know about the Valparaiso of Nebraska, Carmel of JMJ, that's, um, Fairfield was the first foundation of that order. And, well, it was t- essentially to Elysburg, Pennsylvania. And then we moved to Fairfield, which is just a little bit outside of Gettysburg. And right now there's 27 nuns, which is already overflowing, technically, <laughs> according to St. Teresa of Avila's rules. Wow. And they they do everything based on the way St. Teresa of Avila lived her life. So they do the same divine office, the same bravery, um, because of their Spanish uh, and their French background, a little bit mostly Spanish. Um, they do their rosary in Spanish, for instance, but the rest of it is in Latin. Uh, they do the Latin Trentine Mass, and actually it's the Carmelite Rite Mass. So, and this is not because it's like they're, you know, traditionalist in that sort of sense. It's what they do is that this is this is the same mass, the same prayers that St. Teresa of Avila prayed. And that's what their biggest, you know, dedication is to, is to really living out that life, the same life that St. Teresa of uh, the Little Flower did, St. Edith Stein, and so on and so forth. So That's amazing. Praise be yeah. to God. I mean, what a, I, th- I think about that often. It's like, you're praying, you're, you're sitting here, you're, you're maintaining the rule and praying the exact same prayers as your founder did so many centuries ago. I mean, that has to feel very mystical in many ways for them. Yeah, absolutely. No, my gosh. I, I try to explain this to anyone who's not been to the property. It, it, there's no, you don't, you can't do it justice. And when you walk onto that property and we're building, which you probably know, we're you know, in the process of building a new monastery when you go there, it's like, it, it is mystical. It is otherworldly. And um, there's like one particular benefactor. He always describes it as just a level of peace. And he's not Catholic, but wow. his wife was. And he still comes and just likes to be there just just because he can feel so deeply the level of peace and joys that on, that's on that property. That's incredible, Miss Bauer. Yeah. I'm wondering... You know, in your experience, what is drawing so many uh, young women and, and men? Also, I believe there's a uh, there's a, a, a monastery for men as well. Is that correct? Uh, yes, but uh, I should. They're not the same they're order. Not the same. Um, yeah, it's they. They're Carmelite in um, sort of in a charism, but they're they're I don't think they're oh, technically okay. Carmelites. It's they're the order of of Mount Carmel, mm. and they live actually five minutes away from. Oh, wow. Um, but they follow the rules, St. John of Avila. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, they are kind of Carmelite, but I, I should prefer, they're not really, I see. you can look at their website. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hermits, um, incredible order, wonderful. Right. They come right. and assisted mass and things like that. So that's them. Um, but the, what attracts, I, I know this and I grew my, one of my sisters is one of the sisters is my, is my sister. Oh, very cool. So, Praise God. Yeah, I was 14 when she entered, and I I know what attracts people. It's that I if I were to be a nun, I don't want to go join an order where you're in your lazy boys or getting your hair done every <laughs> yeah. or whatever. You know, right. I want something that's real and hardcore. I I want to know that 
I mean, that, I mean, young people, we all like, we all want to walk in that history. And I mean, you know, nowadays, every, everything's so modern, everything's so quick. And it's like, we kind of just, we move the goalpost as to what's, um, you know, what history is and what, what good history is, you know, the right side of history and everything. And the people want authentic. If I want to go be a nun, I want to know that the, if I live that rule out exactly, then I'm going to get to heaven. And St. Teresa of Avila essentially promises that with the con- her, her rule. You follow that rule exactly, you're, you're, it's, it's pretty near a guarantee as you're going to get. And I think that's, um, I mean, it's you're wearing the full habit. You're getting up before 4.30 in the morning daily. Your entire life is dedicated to prayer. And that's the difference between, say, Carmelites and Benedictines or Dominicans. I mean, everyone has a different rule, but that's their charism. And that's pretty powerful. Amen. It's what, so what is it exactly that it, that attracts people to this? Because you're describing it, you have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> this is, I have all these different things are, are having, you're required to do. And the world tells us, you know, we have to, we want to try to make things easy, make things easier. We'll, we'll, we'll simplify the habits. We'll make them wake up later. We'll allow them some comforts. And uh, for some reason, that attracts no one. No, they, those orders are are dwindling. Yet the orders that seem to be harsh and more difficult uh, are attracting people. What's the explanation behind this? I uh, look at it. What's attracting people is the same reason why. I mean, the the families that are growing right now are the more like hardcore Catholic families that where if you, I mean, from the outside, people say that these Catholic families are odd or it's too many kids or too strict or whatever it is, but that's, there's a lot of beauty in that giving. And that, I mean, it's your whole life as a, as a dad or a mom is giving and from giving comes love and uh, comes, I mean, just great joy. And I think that when, when you dedicate your life and there's a, there's a rule and you're following that rule, everything that sister does, everything that Carmelite does has meaning behind it. It's not just bells and whistles and, you know, oh, well, we just, we're just doing this because ah, four third in the morning seems like a, a good time to get up or we want to make them do it. They're doing it as a reminder. Everything is a little bit hard. Everything's a sacrifice. But when everything's a sacrifice, you become hyper aware of your life and how you're giving your life to Christ. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I would say is that if people, I mean, there's 27 nuns, I mean, that we're, we're pretty much at capacity. They're staying. We get hundreds of applicants a year, aspirants a year who, who are writing in saying they want to be p- part of it. Wow. And if you, I mean, it, it's like the difference between say, joining the army or wanting to be part of the Navy of the Navy SEALs or the Green Berets. Why do you want to be a Navy SEAL? That sounds like a terrible life, but there's <laughs> something so powerful about yeah. that. And uh, my sister, one of the Carmelites, she, she always likens their life to the being a Navy SEAL. Hmm. Yes, it's hard, but you are pretty effective. Yeah. And only, uh, only the best of the best get to enjoy that title, I suppose. So, uh, all right, we're going to talk more about this on the other side of this break. There's a documentary out called An Enclosed Garden of God. We'll talk more about that and their life and what their actual challenges are. Why are they facing such difficulties from the Vatican? More of that coming up next with Captain Broward. Don't go anywhere.
Many Christians are familiar with the story where the Pharisees bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus and try to test him for charges against the law of Moses. Jesus had been showing all sorts of mercy that was unusual to them, eating with sinners and tax collectors, driving demons out of Gentiles, and even curing people on the Sabbath. They thought they could trap him, but Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground. We can assume he was writing out their sins. He then said, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And in response, they went away one by one. Jesus then said, Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you. But Jesus continues, Go and sin no more. It's fine for us to meet people where they are at with mercy, but we can't just leave them there. We must help them come to a place free of sin in their lives. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, who is in desperate need of coffee. I can't wait for Easter Sunday. It's going to be so good. I can just smell it right now. Oh, that coffee is going to be glorious. At any rate, we are talking to Catherine Bauer uh, about the Carmelite sisters, or nuns, rather. Uh, sisters are in the world. Nuns are in cloister. Uh, this community up in Fairfield, Pennsylvania. There's a new documentary out by Lux Veritas Media. It's called An Enclosed Garden of God, The Joyful Mystery of a Traditional Carmelite Monastery. And we'll link to it in all of our social feeds. It's very good. My family and I really enjoyed watching it yesterday. Praise be to Jesus. Catherine, welcome back to the show. I wanted to ask real quick, uh, and I want to dive into the Koran's issue, uh, which is so important to us. But I wanted to emphasize some of the austerities real quick. So you mentioned some of them earlier, getting up early, whatever. But I wanted to point out, like, the documentary makes it clear they have no power, no electricity. They have, uh, they have no running water. They make their own clothing. They run a farm. I mean, that's pretty incredible, actually. And, you know, I mean, the only thing we could equate to that might be, like, the Amish, possibly, like— but we would give the Amish a pass. We wouldn't try to destroy them. But for whatever reason, these caramels are really dangerous ladies. <laughs> oh, good gracious. Yeah, you don't want 27 nuns, you know, like destroying the world at any point in time. You know? <laughs> that's, so, right. that's right. I go after them. There's, there's, no, there's no other issues we should, you know, we should worry about in our church right now. <laughs> None. We got nothing else to do. This is all that we no. can manage. So let's talk about Korans. What is this document? Maybe you can explain that. And like, yeah. what is their status right now? So... Core Oran's Praying Heart uh, is the what's called an implementing document. So it's based on the 2016 document of our Holy Father called Voltum Dei Quere. And uh, in it, he had sort of addressed some, obviously, the falling numbers of female contemplative orders and sort of, you know, moving forward what, what their place is in the church and sort of how to, how to you know, make them grow again or, you know... Um, be get better essentially and in 2018 the implementing document was released and this is where 
things started to get a little bit um, or controversial or, or questioning. Um, first of all, there's over 200 rules that have to be implemented. And at the time of its publication in 2018, it was immediate. They had to, every female contemplative order across the board, whether you were Carmelite or Dominican or Benedictine, had to implement these rules and join a federation. Um, and it, it presents some challenges and I'm, I'm gonna be, try to be as precise as possible because it is complicated and it's, and it's, it's 240 rules. It's only about 36 pages. But you have to read it. Um, you know, it took when I read it. Obviously, I was walked through it by the Carmelites themselves. So we went because they were like, "This is what the problem is." And at first, it or it, the first few you know pages, you're kind of like, "Okay, what are they saying? What is this?" And then you really start picking up some of the language in it, and it's a little concerning. Mm-hmm. So there's four sections, and the main problem, the the couple of sections that cause the most issues is that autonomy. Carmelite monastery Saint Teresa of Avila was very clear each of her homes should be autonomous. Like think of it as a family unit, end of story. That's how you imagine this. Think of Cororans perhaps closer in line to a school board that comes into your private family life and says, listen, you're not up to speed. You're not up to snuff. We want you to, you know, want the parents to take courses outside of the home. Um, We get to tell you how to live the life. And now that's, that's the, I'm taking this obviously to the what the extreme is because if you're going to read it, you can read it down the middle and go, oh, I don't know. It just seems like a nice little thing. You join a little club, you know, people keep tabs on each other. Yeah, okay, true. Except here's the problem is that you're giving the Federation massive amounts of power over a little home. And that's not how St. Teresa of Avila wanted it. Um, and she was very clear because if as a Carmelite, your whole life is prayer. That's it. And you can pass on the traditions of your own family much better when it's just passed on from the father to the child. It's different when you have federations or school boards and everything else trying to pass down a culture. It doesn't actually, it, it, they tend, things get messy very quickly and you lose that history. And I'm not sure if that's making sense, but that's why St. Teresa of Avila was very clear. She said she wanted everything to be autonomous. Cororans essentially undermines that um, autonomy. And because you have, every monastery has to join a federation. That federation, you are required to attend meetings outside of the home, outside of that monastery. The novice mistress and the mother superior are subject to essentially courses in how to be a better nun. (laughs) Um, And of course, the the issue, obviously, is that the Federation is an elected body of, and it's from every monastery in, say, uh, like Carmelite monasteries. There's different federations throughout or associations throughout the country or throughout the world, but you're required to join them. But many of the Carmelite nuns throughout this country did not actually elect or vote for the Federation. The Federation has to fund itself which means that money is involved. And this is something as a layperson and as someone who's raising the money to build a new monastery, um, that's concerning is knowing that in this Cororans document, the federations have a lot of power over the financial viability of monasteries. So if a monastery who is under six nuns is immediately shut down, 
the Federation says, you know, you're not viable anymore. There's not, there's not enough of you. We're, we're going to move your nuns. And then the property gets divvied up. And the thing about it is if you look at six nuns, who cares if it's just six nuns in in a monastery? So yes, a lot of orders are dying off. Why not just let them die off naturally? Right. And yeah. the other thing is that we need four, five, six people praying, you know, where two or three mm-hmm. are gathered in my name. We don't need massive, huge monasteries to save the world. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a massive overreach for sure. And I remember of a story recently of some Carmelites from Philadelphia that actually abandoned their Carmel overnight and went to Nebraska in order to sort of avoid this overreach that this this document contains, uh, do you know anything about that or uh, what? Uh, became yes, of them? actually, um, we were. I mean, some of those nuns were ours, or the well. So, Philadelphia was this older Carmel uh, that has been there since over a hundred years. Beautiful, beautiful Carmel. Mm-hmm. Well, they were losing their numbers, so they had asked uh, Valparaiso and Nebraska if they could help refound Philadelphia. And Valparaiso um, didn't, it wasn't something they really wanted to do. I mean, you're, you're leaving, you know, the rolling hills of Nebraska. You have to go to an inner city, Philadelphia. It's not a great area. The mm. monastery is beautiful, but it's, it's scary. I mean, they were, they were hearing gunshots on a regular basis outside their monastery walls. But they, they said yes. And then Valparaiso asked our nuns uh, at the time in Elysburg, they said, can you send a few? So Valparaiso sent six. We sent three. Um, I believe there was two or three that entered after 2017, after the refoundation. And I, I, I can't say, or I try not to say much because it is private among what the monasteries, it did get a little bit blown out of proportion as to how much it happened. Like, I mean, a lot of times after, after it happened in April of 2021, it got reported that, um, like people were like the nuns were fleeing in the night kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, not necessarily what happened. I mean, it was basically over the, over a couple of years, they were trying to live out their life that was promised to them by the archdiocese. And there was um, a lot of interference by a federation and an auxiliary bishop in particular. And it was essentially these nuns could not live the life that they had lived in Nebraska and Elysburg, which by the way, they were very clear with what they were doing when they moved to Philadelphia. They got the permission of Archbishop Chaput, who had retired by the time this is ha- this all happened. Mm. But it was, I mean, it was constant meetings and do drop-ins without the, them knowing or without being prepared for any of this. Um, of course, they say, you know, the Philadelphia, they were doing the Latin mass, which was causing, you know, somewhat of an issue there. Mm. And it finally got to the point where these young nuns were, they couldn't live the life anymore. And so they, um, they did everything canonically correct. They correct. They got the proper permissions to do this. They got the permissions from both our Harrisburg Bishop and the um, Nebraska Bishop, everything. And finally was like, you know what, this, this isn't working. We, we can't keep doing this. And also, I mean, like any good mothers, the Valparaiso mothers were very clear that this was not conducive to their young nuns. Yeah. That's, you know, you can't leave them, you know, leave them like that. And so, um, and then just with all of everything going on, whether in in a little bit of like the riots, everything that's already happening, it was just, Mm. I think it became a perfect little storm of let's bring the nuns home. You know, we're, we're going to run out of time here. Uh, Let me, let me ask you a question. Where are they? So the, the nuns in 
Fairfield. What is mm-hmm. their current situation? Have they been apostolic? Did they receive their apostolic visitation? What's the status yes. there? And what can people do to help? You have about a minute and yes. a half. Okay, I'll quickly go through it. So the visitation was in September. And uh, we're awaiting the results trying to figure out what's going to happen. I mean, that the visitation was, that's a whole other story. But uh, for core orons, essentially, there are no exemptions being given. Oof. So we we do realize that, I mean, barring what is essentially going to be a miracle, um, I, I we don't know what the, the congregation is going to do, the congregation of religious. Uh, they're saying there's no, no, no order across the world has been giving an exemption. So we're fighting that. We don't, um, these rules are not conducive to these Carmelites life. It, it would completely alter who they are and their, and their charism. And this is not just our Fairfield nuns. It is nuns across the world. And so we want to keep fighting it. We want to keep asking. And, what can and people do? It. We have about Pray 60 seconds. Pray for us and tell our story. Yeah. Because the harder it is to, to, uh, hey, we're a little David and Goliath. Amen. You know, get well, behind us. we are praying as a family for them, for sure. And my, uh, one of my daughters has uh, already started to write them letters. Praise be to Jesus. Oh, good. So uh, we encourage everyone to check out this documentary and share it widely. And Enclosed Garden of God, the Joyful Mystery of a Traditional Carmelite Monastery. You can find it on their YouTube channel, Lux Veritas Media, but we will link to it. And if you want the link and you're not online, you can contact us here at the show. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can send us an email. Or if you're on our email list, I've sent it to you over the weekend. Praise be to God. But uh, Catherine Bauer, thank you for your time today. We'll be praying. All right. Praise be to Jesus. Hope you'll check out uh, that documentary and share it widely. But that's going to do it for hour number one. Thank God you for love joining you. us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Peace has long been a Benedictine motto. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In the rule of St. Benedict, the saint challenges those who live in monastic community to truly seek God and find peace. We all strive for peace, the profound sense of confidence and tranquility which flows from resting in God's love and trusting in God's providential care. In our daily lives, we can create peace by simplifying life and removing sources of strife, such as the pursuit of power or possessions. Finally, perfect peace goes hand in hand with perfect charity. 
When you have peace, you will have charity. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. In short, rest in God's love, trust in God's care, and love others as God loves them. Then you will find true peace. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus. It's going to be a great week. We're looking forward to it. But let me just tell you right out of the gate, this hour is not going to be the same starting tomorrow morning, Uh, at least through Friday. We'll be back to business, normal business on Monday. But uh, this week is Sherathon week across the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's that rare opportunity where we open up our our lines for you to call in and make your pledge because we are 100% listener funded. So we are brought to you by you. Uh, unfortunately, we, we, we call the Vatican, we ask them for big checks, and then they hang up on us. I'm teasing. That's not how it works. <laughs> uh, but you bring us the ability to stay on the radio, to keep our airwaves filled with Catholic content around your neighborhoods and friends and family. And we love that. We appreciate you being a part of this apostolate. And we'll kick that off tomorrow morning in this hour. So uh, today we'll have a proper second hour, or at least first half hour. We'll hang out with you. We'll even do a game show, and we'll give out prizes today. So whoever's on the phone today, our first caller will 99.999% get prizes today. So uh, we will give out prizes for the fear and trembling coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, otherwise, we have good news. We have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and a lot more. Plus, we'll have an after show. It'll be fun. Hang out with us if you could. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, and Sharathon starts tomorrow. You know, we weren't included in the omnibus spending package uh, <laughs> yeah. by Congress, so we have to. Yeah. Uh, we're de- we're dependent on you, dear. Why listener. couldn't we get a writer in there? Some way to sneak in there? Like, yeah, we're only. Hey, listen, Put it's not like we're going to get billions. Just you know, <laughs> seventeen million would be great. We'll take a billion. Why not? <laughs> right. I mean, if you're going to hand out billions, and they, and they do, just give out. And they do. Give us one. Uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? Well, it's good to be here today because tomorrow we won't be here. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll be here. We'll be we here just won't be on the we'll air at this nine. time. Yeah. yeah, Our hour is 9, right? That's correct. Nine. So we'll be on Central. at 9 Ten Central Eastern. Time, 10 Eastern. Got it. And we'll be out there. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on Monday. So praise be to God. So yeah. one week from today, we'll be back. So, But that's awesome that we get to uh, give away a prize uh, to the caller who calls in today. Amen. You know, one of the fun fun things we did over the weekend was the St. Joseph uh, Festival, uh, praise be to Jesus, uh, celebrating the feast day of St. Joseph in the season of Lent is, 
It's very it's very counterintuitive because we have a huge feast. Uh, and, th- <laughs> and one of the things I love at our traditional parish, which I've never seen at any other parishes we ever belonged to, was the St. Joseph altar of mm, bread. And really? it's this giant thing they put together and... And they put bread out everywhere and did pastries and all this stuff, and it was so fun and great. And we coupled that with our confirmation. We had a huge confirmation class this year, and I had two kids in that. And His Eminence, Cardinal Leonardo, uh, was uh, presiding, and it was a beautiful uh, liturgy of confirmation, and we really had a great time. So uh, thank you to all those volunteers who put that together. But I wonder, how many of you, dear listeners, how, how many of you have have experienced the St. Joseph altar. I never experienced that. We had that. one every year growing up. I've never really? seen it yeah. at I've any of the parishes ever been wow. to. Yeah. So I love that. It's, it's a fantastic thing for families. At any rate, speaking of th- fantastic things, I want to thank Sherry Everett and Michelle Vaughn. Uh, thank you t- uh, for covering our weekend and our Lenten campaign. Uh, Sherry took Saturday, Michelle took Sunday, offering up their prayers, fasting, and their penances. All for our intentions this Lent, for peace in our world, for the conversion of ardent sinners like heretics, people who, who uh, on purpose teach heresy in the world. And then, of course, blasphemers, people who try to, uh, you know, blaspheme against God. You know, these are souls we tend to forget, and Sherry and Michelle did not forget them. They covered our weekend, making sure to pray fast and do penance for them, and we're so grateful. And today, Teresa Venson is taking today, so thank you. Teresa Vinson, we're so grateful to you. Dear listener, if you would like to cover a date, I did get an email of the weekend. Someone did want to be added to the calendar. If you would like that, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you will find the link for the 2022 Lenten campaign. You'll click that. You'll get all the information you need, and you'll be able to pick a day. And there's still you, st- you can still take a day. Even though we've covered every day, you can still take a day for yourself to join us in our intentions. But speaking of which, we're going to jump in by praying the Golden Arrow Prayer, which is a part of our campaign. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here is your good news story for the day. Epic Times reports, man builds special home for grandma, takes care of her until she passes away. Wanting his beloved grandmother under the same roof as him in her final years, a Florida man built a special wing of his new home to suit her needs. He revealed the surprise to to his grateful grandma on a drive-by viewing and shared the moving footage on social media. Matthew Stewart gave his grandmother Bobby Winham Two of the happiest years of her life before she died. I had lived with Grandma Bobby years ago as my grandfather had passed away, he said. We were each other's rock. I knew while living with her I would one day have her live with me and make her as happy as I could in her final years. Matthew suggested GB, Grandma Bobby, come to live with them and she didn't hesitate to say yes. Our house is a semi-custom home so floor plans are already set, he explained, but we picked the one that would fit our situation the best. We told GB we were, move, we were moving her in with us before we even started building. The only actual surprise was what the house looked like. Spending time with GB one day in October 2020, Matthew suggested that they visit the building to, to check on the, pra- the progress. He pulled out his camera as they drew near, wanting to catch GB's reaction to preserve the memory. 
in the sweet now viral clip shared on Instagram, GB looks out the car window to the shell of the house, marveling as her grandson describes in detail her three rooms, a bedroom and a sitting room connected by a Jack and Jill bathroom. Her reaction was one of overjoy, excitement, and tears, she commented, to feel wanted. Of course, she was not only wanted, but needed. GB couldn't stop crying. We had to have her sit down and take it all in. She always said that we were spoiling her rotten, said Matthew. I've never been so humbled in my life. The trio lived happily together, yet moving in with her grandson, GB had a lung can as excuse me, yet moving in with her grandson, GB, a lung cancer survivor, was already in the early stages of dementia. She ended up passing away from natural causes on January 26, 2022. We were there to hold her hand and tell her how much we love her as she took her final breath. We are beyond blessed to have the have had the opportunity to give her true happiness in her final years of life, Matthew reflected. The power of the internet is truly amazing. I hope our story has given someone out there the desire to become closer with their family, as you never know when they're going to be gone. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Nicholas of Flu. Nicholas was born in 1417 in the canton of Unterwalden, the eldest son of a wealthy peasant. At this age of 21, he enrolled in the army, and during the Old Zurich War he wa that was waged against the canton of Zurich by the rest of the Old Swiss Confederacy, Nicholas distinguished himself as a soldier and took part in the Battle of Ragaz in 1446. He later took up arms again in the so-called Thuruga War against the Archduke Sigismund of Austria in 1460. And it was thanks to Nicholas's influence that a house of the Dominican nuns, the convent of St. Catherinato, where many Austrians had fled after the capture of Dissenhofen, escaped being destroyed by the Swiss Confederates. At around the age of 30, he married Dorothea Weiss, a farmer's daughter, and they farmed in the municipality of Flule in the alpine foothills above Saskatchewan on the Lake Saarinen. He also continued to serve in the military to the age of 37, rising to the rank of captain. He reportedly fought with a sword in one hand and a rosary in the other. After leaving military service, he became a counselor for his canton and then, be, and then in 1459, for nine years, served as a judge. He declined the opportunity to serve as a landmaman, or a governor, rather, of his canton. After receiving a mystical vision of a lily eaten by a horse, which he recognized as indicating that the cares of his worldly life, the draft horse pulling a plow, were swallowing up his spiritual life, the lily, a symbol of purity. He decided to devote himself entirely to the contemplative life, and in 1467, he left his wife, his ten children, with her consent, and set himself up as a hermit in the Ramftschein in Switzerland, establishing a chantry for a priest from his own funds, so that he could assist at Mass daily. Symbolic visions continued to be a feature of his contemplation, and he became a spiritual guide whose advice was widely sought and followed. His reputation for wisdom and piety was such that figures from across Europe came to seek advice from him, and he was known to all as Brother Klaus. And in 1470, Pope Paul II granted the first indulgence to the sanctuary at Ranft, and it became a place of pilgrimage since it lay on the way of St. James, a pilgrim's route to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. 
His council presented a civil war between the cantons meeting at the Diet of Stands in 1481 when their antagonism grew and despite being illiterate and having limited experience with the world, he is honored both among Protestants and Catholics with the permanent national unity of Switzerland. Letters of thanks to him from Bern and Salon still survive and when he died on the 21st of March 1487, he was surrounded by his wife and his children. Saint Nicholas of Flew, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4 verses 24 through 30. Jesus said to the people in the synagogue at Nazareth, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the skies were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land, it was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to the widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered, as I have, what that meant? How did he pass through the midst of them? They were going to hurl him down headlong. How is it he passed through them and went away? I just imagine that scene. I mean, did he just give them the look? Like, you know, that divine look? Like, yeah, I double-dug dare you. That kind of look? I don't know. I mean, here's what Haydock's commentary says, quoting uh, many of the saints. As Ambrose says, we must observe that Christ did not suffer from necessity, but because he wished it, he was not taken by the Jews, but delivered up himself at his own pleasure. He is seized at his own pleasure. He escapes. When he wills it, he is condemned. And when he wills it, he is freed. The most common opinion is that he rendered himself invisible on this occasion. Isn't that fascinating? Through, though others imagine that he changed their wills or withered their hands. Uh, when we observe the outrageous treatment Jesus Christ met with from the people of Nazareth, we are not surprised that he should shut up the fountain of his benefice against them for their incredulity and return to Capernaum. Close quote, Hadock's commentary. So it's fascinating to me. Hmm, we probably won't know this side of the heavenly veil, what really happened, but boy, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Adrian, what did you find? You got about a minute. Yes, awesome things that Cornish Lapide points out today. Uh, one thing is the fact that we are all in exile. Uh, currently, all of the world is exile, according to Cornish Lapide, that we have to realize that our home is heaven. And that is where we should be going and everything else we should see as less than. And that's what he's referring to when he's talking about how no prophet is accepted in his own native place. So to be exiled from your native home. Well, in all honesty, according to Cornelius this is all an exile because we are driving ourselves back home to the kingdom of heaven. So hopefully we reach there. As to the uh, question of what happened here to our Lord in verse 30, 
uh, which Joe just spoke about. Cornus Lapide gives a number of theories, and I'll try to run through as many as I can. He says, one, he might be invisible. Two, he might have changed the wills of those around him. Three, they may have changed their imagination so they could not see him. Four, they may have suspended their senses so they just lost all their senses and were not able to perceive our Lord. And then my favorite one, which I'm going to skip the rest of them and skip to my favorite one, that he jumped through the mountain. <laughs> And right at that point, they call that place where he jumped through the mountain the leap of the Lord. Maybe I'll talk about it during the after show. You think you think Marvel will do a film on this? That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Praise be to God. All right. It is time to play our game, Fear and Trembling. And today is the only day we're going to play the game because Sherathon is this week, which means today, whoever calls right now is likely to win prizes. We're going to send you stuff. Praise be to Jesus. All you got to do is make that phone call. Call right now. First caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Fear and Trembling is up next. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and tell no one of my secrets or my agendas. 
All right? That's the deal. But there are a few things we like to do on the game show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. That's always a good thing. And then, of course, we like to have fun. We like to have a laugh. And our callers are amazing. All right? You heard it here first. They're amazing. They laugh with us. They they sometimes cry with us, but uh, mostly just laugh, and we like that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes. And that makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here, for your sake, for your benefit, out of charity for you, I will tell you what we do here. We have three Catholic trivia questions, but we do not ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They could not know a single correct answer and still win the game. And that's because instead of asking them, we are going to ask Rudy, and we are going to ask Adrian, and one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Well, sort of, because <laughs> it's a unique week. It's share week. More like Monday's prize. It's, today is that we're, we're going to play the game and give out prizes today, so it's almost guaranteed, right, Praise Rudy? God. We got yeah. a prize back. We do, and uh, it's sponsored by us, Catholic Drive Time. And as I mentioned last week, we discovered a devious plot to counterfeit the coffee cup of divine prize. I know. There are so many of them. I don't want to destroy them. It'd be a waste. You know, we turned them over fine. to the Inquisition. We're, we're awaiting burning at the stake at this point. They said, you know what? You know, if you want, you could give them away. So we're going to do that. And you're going to be so alert, let me tell you. Looking to the left what? and then to the right huh? as you drink your coffee from your trusty CDT. Drink what? What? Coffee? Coffee? What? Not you until can't Easter have that. Sunday. You can't have that. Not joke. until Easter Sunday. You're not allowed to drink coffee until Easter Sunday. Now, here's here's the here's the catch, right? Uh-huh. Of course, there's always going to be the original CCDP, which is the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. But That's right. as soon as soon we're going to be rolling out a new version. So yeah, this may ooh. be the last chance to get it. There there might be a few other chances, but this might be one of the last chances yeah. to get this coffee cup. Well, praise God, we did get a lot of phone calls. So we're going to uh, send you a price back. It'll include uh, a certified, authentic replica of the uh, coffee cup of Divine Providence, uh, a wrist uh, of like one I have here of our Lord crucified, which I wear on my wrist every day, thanks to Jesus Robles, a book and prayer cards and many other things we're going to send to you, including a DVD of Father Patrick Payton. It's a price pack. And let's go to the lines. And Maria, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Maria. Thank you for calling in. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from San Antonio. San Antonio, one of the greatest towns in uh, in the entire world, I would say. Uh, (laughs) uh, Where do you go to church, Maria? Uh, The Shrine of St. Pedro Pio. Oh, I have been there on one occasion. I got kicked out of there, too, as a matter of fact. Is that right? Uh, That's a story for another day. Uh, I love the uh, the portrait there in the narthex. Praise be to God, Maria. Well, that's amazing. Yes. San Antonio has been dominating the game last uh, couple weeks. So very impressed. Uh, Maria, do you know how the rules work? Are you prepared to play the game? Yes, sir. Very good. Very good. So you and I together, we're on the team against Rudy and Adrian. Let's do this. We will start, as is our custom, our patrimony here on the show. Our traditions to start with Rudy Carlos. Good morning to Rudy. Good morning, Joe. Are you ready to play? I'm so ready. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Are you sure? I'm kind of pretending. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start with the hardest question ever that's been on this okay. game show. All right. Here we go. Is what, that right? Yeah, I think so. Huh. What is the name of the small metal frame container? 
holding the large sacred host inside the tabernacle. A small metal frame container yeah. in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's called the altar of repose. The It's called the altar of repose. The altar of repose, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Maria, I think we ought to get a second in the opinion. tabernacle, right? Yeah, yeah. Same not, same. not in the monstrance. In no, the tabernacle. In okay. the t- yeah. Got it. Okay. Yep. That's the. Yep. Let's All get a second post. opinion on this, from Maria. Uh, hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Turn your mic on. Uh, I guess if you really want me to. <laughs> Thanks, dude. You're the best. <laughs> what is the name of the small metal frame container holding the large sacred host in the tabernacle? Oh, okay. So you're asking for a metal receptacle for the consecrated host to be reserved in the tabernacle for later exposition in the monstrance. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a capsula. <laughs> oh. Is that what it is? A capsula, you say? A capsula. Capsula. Mm-hmm. Capsula. Terms and conditions that's, may apply. That's catchy. It is catchy. Capsula. Well, uh, Maria, here's the deal. Who is right? Who is wrong? Adrian says it's called a capsula, whereas Rudy says it's called the altar of repose. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria, what say you? Oh my gosh, that's really a tricky question. I was thinking of another word, Tiborium, but I guess I was wrong. I'll go with, um, oh, with Adrian. Survey says. <laughs> Brilliant. So when, wow. when in doubt, go you, with Adrian is what I always say. Uh, Maria, you played that very well. You were probably, you probably knew the answer. You, you were probably very confident, but in great humility, you knew you can't admit that out loud with Adrian's name. So you, you played that like a master, uh, masterpiece there. It was just amazing. You are, in fact, correct. It is the capsula. Uh, although Rudy and I debated Adrian before the show about it being the Luna, but that's in the monstrance, so mm-hmm. glad we didn't say that. That would have been super tricky. All right, uh, you're in. You're going to win. You could win, but let's see if we can't get you through these next two questions anyway. Uh, question number two, we're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? That's my name. Uh, praise be to Jesus. The long linen vestment uh-huh. worn over the amice right. by the priest during the celebration of Mass is called yes. what? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be an alb. An alb. An alb. An alb. Which, for, mm-hmm. just for the record, yeah. Dominicans, you're not allowed to wear your habit as an alb. No? No. Interesting. So you're saying some of them try to get away with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Make the Dominicans great again, I say. All right, let's go see what uh, Brother Rudy has to say. Hey, Rudy, can you tell me? The long linen vestment worn over the amice by the priest during the celebration of Mass is called what? Huh. Adrian, you said alb, right? I mean, that sounds a little too fancy. I, I, I just know it as the robe. Uh, great movie, mm, by the way. The Rope. Have you never s- heard of it? Have you never seen The Rope? Nope. Oh. Nope. How old are you again? Uh, you have homework remember. now. You have homework. You better go watch The Rope. <laughs> We're going to have to do a whole show on The Rope. All right, uh, Maria, here's the question. This long linen vestment, is it called an alb, as Brother Adrian has to, uh, seems to think? Or is it called a robe, as Brother Rudy seems to think? Who is right? Who is wrong? 15 seconds. What say you, Maria? I will go with Adrian. Wow, a lot more confident this time Aww. around. Very nice. <laughs> Brilliant, yes. Maria. Brilliant. The rocket. You've never seen the robe, really? Never is that right. like a French film? Maria, or? have you seen the robe? 
No, I, oh, I don't think anybody's seen the rope. I don't even. I, I can't even say I've heard of that. Yeah, movie. me neither. Uh, okay, well, we now know what the after show is going to be all about. 1953. Yes. Of course, I have heard of this movie. 1953. Who's, who's Watch out here? the road. That was it's back when film. Joe was like 20. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, Maria. I wasn't even born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. All right, you're it. You've you're you're a winner. We know we're going to send you stuff, but let's see if we can't get you through with a perfect score here. Back to Rudy. Rudy, this is probably the easiest question of the day, for sure. Huh. What is the second commandment of God? The second commandment. Uh, the, I would say one of the, the ones that gets broken so easily. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Sounds reasonable Don't to me. do it. Do not. That's why we're part of the reason Don't. why we're playing, praying for blasphemers, exactly. right? Seems don't, reasonable. Seems don't reasonable. drag his name in the mud yeah, with yeah. your language. <laughs> okay, let's just see what Adrian has to say, though. I mean, he's been right for two. Who knows? Uh, Adrian? Yes? Can you tell me? Maybe. What is the second commandment mm, of so God? That would be the first commandment is to love God, and the second commandment is like unto it, to love your neighbor. So I'm going to say the second commandment is to love your neighbor. The sec- second commandment is love the neighbor. Part A and B. Mm, part A and Part B. Huh. Huh. Okay. Well, hmm, maybe. Uh, Maria, here's the deal. Uh, Adrian says the second commandment is to love thy neighbor, uh, whereas Brother Rudy says it's thou shalt not take the name of the, of the, uh, the Lord thy God in vain. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria, what say you? I'll go with Rudy this time, and I'm very confident. Yes, of course. Praise be to God. Maybe you should love thy neighbor by not blaspheming the Lord. That would be a good charitable thing. Are we going to draw a name? Oh, wait, we don't need to. Maria, you're the winner. Praise God. How do you feel, Maria? Thank you for playing our game today, Maria. You're welcome. It was fun. God love you. Whatever you're doing today, we're going to be praying for you. But uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to put you on hold to get your information. But. Thanks again. God bless. Uh, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Do not forget, starting tomorrow morning through Friday, this hour will be share hour. Please be generous to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Your financial contributions make it possible for all of us to do what we do, and you make that happen. So God love you. God bless you. We'll see you in the after show. Coming up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Good morning and welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Monday of the third week of Lent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media. 
Let all mortal flesh keep silence, and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our Lord to earth descends now. Our full homage to demand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May your unfailing compassion, O Lord, cleanse and protect your church. And since without you she cannot stand secure, may she be always governed by your grace. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the second book of Kings. Naaman the army commander of the king of Aram was highly esteemed and respected by his master, for through him the Lord had brought victory to Aram. But valiant as he was, the man was a leper. Now the Arameans had captured in a raid on the land of Israel a little girl who became the servant of Naaman's wife. If only my master would present himself to the prophet in Samaria, she said to her mistress, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went and told his lord just what the slave girl from the land of Israel had said. Go, said the king of Aram, I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman set out, taking along ten silver talents, six thousand gold pieces, and ten festal garments. To the king of Israel he brought the letter which read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. When he read the letter, the king of Israel tore his garments and exclaimed, Am I a god with power over life and death, that this man should send someone to me to be cured of leprosy? Take note, you can see he is only looking for a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his garments, he sent word to the king, Why have you torn your garments? Let him come to me and find out that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman came with his horses and chariots 
and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. The prophet sent him the message, Go and wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will heal, and you will be clean. But Naaman went away angry, saying, I thought that he would surely come out and stand there to invoke the Lord his God, and would move his hand over this spot, and thus cure the leprosy. Are not the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be cleansed? With this he turned about in anger and left. But his servants came up and reasoned with him. My father, they said, if the prophet had told you to do something extraordinary, would you not have done it? All the more now, since he said to you, Wash and be clean, should you do as he said. So Naaman went down and plunged into the Jordan seven times at the word of the man of God. His flesh became again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He returned with his whole retinue to the man of God. On his arrival, he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? As a hind longs for the running waters, so my soul longs for you, O God. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? A thirst is my soul for God, the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? Send forth your light and your fidelity. They shall lead me on and bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling place. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? Then will I go into the altar of God, the God of my gladness and joy. Then will I give you thanks upon the harp, O God, my God. A thirst is my soul for the living God. When shall I go and behold the face of God? Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. I hope in the Lord, I trust in his word. With him there is kindness and plenteous redemption. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the people in the synagogue at Nazareth, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, 
drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of a hill of the hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong but he passed through the midst of them and went away the gospel of the lord praise, praise to you lord jesus christ always in the season of lent we are called toward to repentance and i think that first reading in particular reminds us that the repentance of course is to lead us to live our baptismal life more intensely because the, the baptismal overtones that are present in that reading from the second book of kings of naaman the syrian who is goes to at the word of the prophet to go be dunked in the in the jordan for seven times to be healed also reminds us that as we repent we are we are really to live that baptismal life intensely and in particular we're reminded of that prophetic aspect of our baptismal life jesus says a prophet is not accepted in his own native place and he goes on to reference probably the two greatest prophets that we can think of at least the first two elijah and elisha both of whom had an encounter with people who uh, through their faith uh, recognized the the word of the prophets recognized that word of god in their life but yet they were not they were not of the chosen people they were not israelites they were not jews and yet they followed uh, the instruction of that word that was given to them through the prophet. The same thing kind of should happen in our life is our attentiveness to the word of God in our life. So when we look at, for instance, the story of Elijah when he comes to the widow of Zarephath, when he when Elijah comes, the, the widow is going out to basically have the last meal for her and her son. And Elijah says, go and ha get me something to eat <laughs> and a little something to drink and you'll you'll be taken care of now she had to trust in that word that the, that the prophet was going to be proved true and surely he was they were able to eat and and to have something to drink for all the time during during the famine and during the drought and we hear of course in that first reading of elisha instructing naaman the syrian to go to be dunked in the river jordan seven times and you can see uh you can really i think it can sound kind of kind of comical, but you can appreciate Naaman's sort of resistance. It's like, well, I could have gone, you know, if he would have asked you to do something extraordinary, you know, he just wave my hand over it and that would be done. But don't go dunk in that river, and that river's not very clean. There were much more cleaner rivers back home. Why would I have to go in this dirty water to be cleansed? But anyway, he does. The and, and the encouragement, of course, of his servants, and he goes to be cleansed. What about the word of God that occurs in in in, in our life, that prophetic word? Course, we're called to be prophets and part of being a prophet is to receive the word of god as it comes in our life sometimes when we wake up in the morning there's some word some instruction that god gives to us sometimes like like uh, naaman it's a bit out of what we would think would be kind of normal and the lord is calling us to do something in a way what we would consider a bit extraordinary but sort of beyond what we would what we would want to do maybe what we're comfortable of doing and like Naaman, we have to just follow that word of God in our life, and we will find that it's that uh, it becomes fruitful. And then, in a sense, we become prophets by responding positively to that word. Or maybe it is like the widow of Zarephath, which, in the call of that word of God, asks us to, well, maybe to sacrifice something, to relinquish control of something, so that God's glory can be revealed. And we simply have to trust in that word. So whether it comes, I guess, in the morning, whether God asks us or has us to encounter in his word sometime during the day, whenever it is, whenever that word comes, 
we must respond generously to it. And it will call, call us often to repentance, to change our lives, to trust more in the Lord. So may we live out our baptismal life in this holy season of Lent more intensely, trusting in that prophetic vocation that God has called us to, first of all, responding to the word of God, and then by living it well, then we become not only hearers of his word, but indeed doers of his word. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters, but above all in these days of Lent we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. Let us pray for the whole Christian people that in this sacred time they may, may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God and live out their prophetic vocation in, in their baptism, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for the whole world that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation. Let's pray in a particular way for peace in the Ukraine. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, for the neglectful, in this time of reconciliation, they may return to Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Always mindful of those who are sick and who are suffering. Maybe they be consoled by the compassionate grace of Christ. For all those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for their intentions, the intentions of their family and friends, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And finally, let us remember those who have died and all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer, they may receive by your mercy, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Take up your cross, the Savior said, if you would my disciple be. Deny yourself, the world forsake, and humbly follow after me. Take up your cross, let not its weight fill your weak spirit with alarm. His strength shall bear your spirit up, shall brace your heart and nerve your arm. Take up your cross, then in his strength, and every danger calmly brave, to guide you to a better home, and victory over death and grave. To you, great Lord, the one in three, all praise forevermore ascend. O grant us here below to see the heavenly life that knows no end. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice of yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and the glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May what we offer you, O Lord, in token of our service, be transformed by you into the sacrament of salvation, through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaho, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world. For by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. 
Grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be.
O oh, praise to the Lord, all you nations, for his merciful, Lord, merciful love toward us is great. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Draw near, O Lord our God, graciously hear us, guilty of sinning before you. O King exalted, Savior of all nations, see how our grieving lifts our eyes to heaven. Hear us, Redeemer, as we beg forgiveness. Draw near, O Lord our God, graciously hear us, guilty of sinning before you. Might of the Father, keystone of God's temple, way of salvation, gate to heaven's glory. Sin has enslaved us, free your sons from bondage. Draw near, O Lord our God, Graciously hear us, guilty of sinning before you. We pray you, O God, throned in strength and splendor, hear from your kingdom this our song of sorrow. Show us your mercy, pardon our offenses. Draw near, O Lord our God, graciously hear us, guilty of sinning before you. Let us pray. May communion in this your sacrament, we pray, O Lord, bring with its purification and the unity that is your gift through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May your right hand, we ask, O Lord, protect this people that makes entreaty to you. Graciously purify them and give them instruction that finding solace in this life, they may reach the good things to come through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above. O Maria, hail Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits 
who prowl about the world, seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.